You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. I want to recap last week. Last week I preached a message and it was called, This is Not a Dress Rehearsal. And how many of you were here last week? I want to recap just a tiny bit of, of this and just kind of give you a little bit of background for why I feel like the Lord's put it on my heart to share what I've been sharing uh, this week and last week. Um, in March, I went to a trip uh, into the mountains, and while I was there, I feel like the Lord led me to ex, um, Ezekiel 33. And in Ezekiel 33, he's, he's talking about a watchman, a person that watches on the wall who uh, warns the people of God when something is coming that's going to bring them harm. And in one of the verses he says, so you son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. He said, I will, you will hear a word from my mouth and then you will share it with the people. And any person who hears the word that you share that is a warning word, any person that hears that word and doesn't adhere to the word and they get caught up in the wickedness, the blood, their blood will be on their, their head. But if you see wickedness coming and you, and you hear a word from me and you don't share it, and the people aren't warned, then their blood shall be on your head. And I just felt this kind of this commissioning, if you will, I felt this, this, this really, really sternness with the Lord of like, I'm gonna give you some things and I need you to be this person that will say them. And so that was my motivation for last week. And last week we, we talked through the parable I found in Matthew chapter 22 uh, of the wedding feast. And so just to, to refresh our memory, I wanna actually read this. You have, if you have a Bible, you can open this uh, to Matthew chapter 22, verse one. It says, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out another servant saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle are killed and all things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their cities. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways, gathered together all whom they had found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11, but the king came in to see the guests. He saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to the man, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. When I read this, we, we talked about how every person that was invited to this wedding feast off of the, off of the streets, out of the highways, they, the custom would have been that they would have had an opportunity to change out of their street clothes and into the wedding garment or garments that was appropriate for the wedding feast. And, and so this would be representative of uh, the, the street clothes being the old man that is washed away, that is, that is done away with when we receive Jesus. This is this process of stripping off pride, stripping off arrogance, stripping off sin in exchange for righteousness, in exchange for humility, in exchange for uh, obedience. And so 
there was this, this moment where they had an opportunity to get themselves ready for the feast. And it singles out this one person, this one man, and the king sees this person and he realizes amongst all of the people, this man, he, he didn't actually have on the correct garment. So he goes to this man and he said, what is, what is the deal? How did you get in here without your garment? And the man was speechless. In other words, it was too late for him to come up with an excuse. See, because he had the same opportunity that everyone else did around him to actually strip off the old man and put on the new one in preparation for the bridegroom who is Jesus. And so we talked about what it looked like to make sure that we were living in such a way that, we, that, we're, that we're not believing that this is all just a dress rehearsal, but this is actually real life. And that Jesus is actually going to come back and he's gonna come back for a spotless bride and he's gonna come back when no one knows. And we just have to be ready. We read a scripture that talked about how today we are, we are closer to the day of salvation than we were yesterday. And so we talked about this process of just making ourselves pay attention to the times and be ready. This is not a dress rehearsal. That was last week. This week I'm gonna preach part two of this is not a dress rehearsal. And before I go too far into my notes, I just want us to pray together and ask for some help. So Father, I just, I ask you, I ask you for help. Holy Spirit, that you would, you would be so kind to reveal the heart of the Father to us through the scriptures that we would walk in a greater de degree of revelation, that we would walk in a greater degree of understanding, and I pray that we would encounter your heart for us through the teaching, through the message, through the words that you've written for us, and I think that there's life in the word, and so we just choose right now to walk into life. Uh, we just lay aside the things that may be confusing or maybe uh, confronting us internally, and we just choose right now to turn on our thinking, turn on our ears. I pray that we have eyes to see in this room, but we have ears to hear. That you would anoint my lips to speak your word, but you would also anoint our ears to hear your word and process it the way that you have intended for us to do so. So we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, this week, like I said, I'm gonna preach part two of this. And this week, I wanna focus a little more on living life that is an offering to God. And I wanna do this, um, I wanna introduce you to the 2R method. The 2R method was created by this incredible man of God, this crazy smart individual, this in, insane theologian that was led by the Spirit of God. Have you ever heard of the 2R method? You probably never have because I made it up last night. <laughs> and so, yes, I was that incredible man of God. I was that Spirit-led creation. I was that incredible theologian. <laughs> and I'm fixing to introduce you to something that is simple and effective. The first R in this 2R method that I, I come up with, I, I really actually do try to live my life and my response in worship from this. Uh, I just kind of have funny words to give it uh, a title now. But uh, the first R, it stands for remembrance. Remembrance. The second one, the second R in this method, it, it stands for response. In other words, uh, uh, if you will stay in a place of remembrance of all that God has done for you, then you will step into a place of proper response for or in all of the things that he's done for you. The longer that I can, and the more often that I can recall and remind myself of where I used to be is not where I stand because of the grace and the mercy of God on my life, then I'll respond to him the way in which he is intending me to respond that gives him glory and gives him honor, right? And so we're gonna take this 2R method that I came up with brilliantly, me and the Holy Spirit. 
when you attach the Holy Spirit to it, you can't make fun of it now, right? <laughs> it automatically just becomes super spiritual, and so you don't, don't cross the lines of making fun of the super spiritual. Y'all are, gonna, y'all are gonna laugh with me in a minute, I promise. I wanna turn to Romans chapter 12, verse one. We're gonna spend quite a bit of time, we're gonna break this scripture down in, by thinking through this idea of remembrance and response. And so, if you have a Bible, you can open that up to Romans 12, verses one. Uh, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. This word beseech that, that Paul used right out of the gate, this is the same word that he used in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 20, when he was saying we urge you or we compel you to be reconciled to God. There is much emotion attached, there is desperation attached to this word beseech, there is desperation attached to this word plead. He's pleading with the Gentiles to make a decision to choose to live or choose to respond with their life in a way that is an obedient life of sacrifice to God. It's as if now, in these moments that we're living in, it's as if the Lord is sending these ministering angels around us all of the time, and they're compelling us to come in. One of, the, one of the things that I led with last week is that I feel like right now in our time, more than ever that I've been alive, is I believe that God is calling and beckoning for people to come in and remain with him. Tracy talked about proximity versus intimacy. I believe that he is calling us into living an intimate relationship with him, not just Sunday, but every single day. And so this word beseeches this, this word that shows some emotion and desperation of it is time for us to actually come give the Lord our hurts, our pains, our wins, and our losses, and choose to make a decision that we just remain in him. Why? Because there's nothing better for us than him. There's nothing better on the earth for you other than Jesus. There's nothing that will satisfy, there's nothing that will appease you, there's nothing that will fill your tank, that will fill your bucket, like the Lord Jesus will. So step one in the 2R method is remembrance. And in the scripture he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God, this is a moment where Paul is reminding the people, the Gentiles at the time, he's reminding you and I at the time, to remember and not forget the mercy of God that is on their life. Mercy is when I don't get what I do deserve. Mercy is when I don't get what I do deserve. Scripture says that his mercy is new every morning. And so he's reminding the people of the mercy of God and in order to remind us of how the mercy of God is paved away in our lives, I want us to read Romans chapter five, verses six through 11. I believe this will help us and cause us to do some, some reflecting, some remembrance. It says, when we were utterly helpless, we all remember those moments, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Verse eight, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God in the sight of the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. 
For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. What an incredible, beautiful scripture that explains the mercy of God on our life. Paul is reminding us that the life that we were living prior, before Jesus, was this life of helplessness, this life of spiritual death, and this life of doom, so to speak. And in one, in one massive moment, while we were still operating as enemies of God, and while we were still operating in sin, uh, that, that he sent Christ at the right time, right now, to actually cause us to be reborn so that we would step out of a life of death and into this life of, of beautiful light and mercy. When you were deserving of death because of sin, you got life because of Jesus, and that is mercy, right? Once I have gotten into this place of continual remembrance of who God is and and the things that God has done for me, I'll move into this proper response and my life will start looking obedient to him. And can I say this? I feel like we need to resurrect the word obedience in the house of God. I feel like we have done an injustice to this idea of obedience because we've been empowered to live. Make sure that Jesus is still the Lord of your life, not just your friend. Yes, he wants to be your friend and yes, he wants to be your Lord, but he actually was Lord first. And so don't, don't move out of the place of saying, well, he is now my friend because I've been made a friend of God. And so the obedience thing is not quite my deal anymore. It needs to be your deal all of the time because you are obeying something. You're either obeying him or you're obeying you. And you led to death and he gave you life. So we need to resurrect this idea of obedience in the house of God. Amen? Amen. It's it's as if... uh, we need to go back to the, to the moment where he's setting truth in front of us and he's just saying, eat this because this is all I'm gonna give you. It's like when, you're, when you were a kid and you got uh, macaroni and cheese and you didn't like it or you got peas and you didn't like it and you sat there till midnight until it was gone and it was cold and it would just been easier if you just ate it when it was warm. We need to bring some of that back into our parenting like we need to bring obedience back into the, into the house of God. Amen. Not a preaching message, Cody, chill out. Once I've brought myself into this place of remembrance, and and also I wanna say this too, I don't always need to remember first so that I respond. There are times when you may not feel it. There will be times when you, you can't quite remember the things of God that has happened in your life. You can't quite, maybe confusion or desperation or depression or anxiety is really crippling you and you can't, you can't make yourself remember the goodness of God. In those moments, then you have to just respond in faith right? We don't always need this to happen so that we do this. Sometimes we just got to step into response and say, Lord, I know that you're real because once, once upon a time I felt you. And so I'm just choosing to respond in faith. And then all of a sudden you'll start remembering the things that God has done for you. And now you have wind in your sails again. So step two in this process, uh, this, this 2R method is this idea of response. 
And I know that there are a lot of steps in this process. You may need to write them all down. I don't want you to get confused. But the second step of the two is the step of walking into a response. Yes, I know it was deep. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. I want you to think about this, that you present your bodies. This word present, it means to yield. It means that you would live a life that is yielded to God with your whole body. This is your physical body, this is your soul, your mind, will, emotions, that all of who you are, your whole being, would be yielded unto the Lord. Several weeks ago, I preached a message and for the Midland people that were in the room, I started talking about and recalling our, to our, our memory those yield signs that used to be on the Loop 250 service roads that aren't there anymore. And they're not there anymore because of safety, probably. But y'all remember this. If you were driving down the service road and you didn't adhere to that upside-down triangle that's red and white and says yield, whoever's coming off of the Loop may run you all the way over. Right, and so the people in the room that are laughing and the people that are ones that either ran someone over or almost got ran over. <laughs> I might have been the one that was coming off the loop more times than not, because I was just, I was like, hey, I've got the right of way, I've got, I can do whatever I want in this moment. Because they didn't adhere to the yield sign. And we talked about how in our lives, we are yielding to something all of the time. We're either yielding to ourselves, we're yielding to the things of the world around us, we're yielding to comfort levels, or we're yielding to God. And he's talking in this moment about presenting ourselves, yielding ourselves completely to God. Romans chapter six, verse 13. It says, do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin. I'm sorry. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Don't live your life in a way that you're using your body for unrighteous living. Rather, live your life in a way that reflects that you were once dead but now you're alive and your new life is a life that is lived in complete submission and obedience to the Lord Jesus. Live a life that is yielded to God. I debated when I was writing this message, I debated if I was gonna share this. I feel like I'm going to. Uh, you might have to earmuff your kids for a second. It is the scripture, we're gonna be okay. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. I just, it says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was for the stomach and the stomach was for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. Your body was made for the Lord. Your body was made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about your bodies. And God will raise up raise us up from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. 
but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Do you, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It is really hard to present yourself a living sacrifice when you're giving your body away to sexual sin. And I'm, I'm zoning in on this for a moment because this is one of the other pandemics of our time. The sexual infiltration of impurity into the church and even outside of the church uh, we understand that sex is literally, it's all over the place, it's the most normal thing ever. And it is a problem and we literally have to take the word for what it says, run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. You might be in this room and you're like, okay, well, my boyfriend or my girlfriend, they're not a prostitute. It's fine if we dabble in this and we dabble in that because our plan is to get married anyways. So we're, we're actually just doing what we're going to do when we're married, we're just doing it ahead of time. Or we're living together so that we can save money because we're going to get married. And are you sleeping in different rooms? Because I bet you I know the answer. Because you actually don't have that much self-control. And if you thought you did, let me be the one that tells you that you don't, so that we could all be on the same page. You're like, well, we have plans to get married. So we're not harming anything right now. I just wanna tell you this, uh, this might be a little bit stout, but if he or she is not your husband or your wife and you're sexually involved with them, then they might as well be a prostitute. Don't disconnect on me yet. Because you're paying them with your soul. You're paying them with your soul for sex or sexual favors, and they're taking payment from you every single time you engage in something outside of the marriage covenant. It is the truth and it stings. You say, well, that's not fair. That's too harsh. That's too high of a standard. If you don't like what I'm saying, you're definitely not gonna like this. And this is Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, 27 and 28. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh-oh. Why am I telling you this? Because this is something that I believe is running rampant in the church and it's causing us to actually not be living in the way in which we're supposed to be as an obedient living sacrifice to the Lord. And if you're dealing with this, if you're struggling in this area, it's really simple, repent. Ask God for help. Lord, will you forgive me of this? I'm coming to you, I realize that now, maybe for the first time a picture was painted at church, I didn't see that it was like this, and now I see that it's like this, now what do I do? I feel guilty, I feel uh, convicted, I feel ashamed. It's fine, take all of that and just go to the Lord and say, 
here's all of my stuff. Will you forgive me one of my sin, but then will you teach me to walk in obedience to your word? And then also do some house, clean, some house cleaning. Verse 16, it says, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, I'm just gonna say, if a man joins himself or a woman joins him, herself to someone that is not her husband or his wife, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two shall be united. You've probably all seen that, that image, that example of, of taking two pieces of wood and gluing them together. And this is representative of, of two people coming together in a sexual act. And then when you try to rip those two pieces of wood together, there's, you rip them apart and there's uh, pieces of this wood on this wood and there's pieces of this wood on this wood and you can never get all of them back together. Now multiply that amongst the convenient relationships that we have. And then speed up the process to when you actually get married and now you're expected to give something to your husband and to your wife that you've actually divided so many times over here that there's actually nothing left to give them and you're broken and now you don't know if your relationship's gonna last. There's a solution to this. All of these bonds that I'm talking about, every single time this is ripped apart, basically what you're doing is you're creating a soul tie. And a soul tie is when you have an unhealthy bond with someone else and they have some sort of hold on you. It's in your memory, it's in the way that you respond now. See what happens in sex that we don't talk about too much that we should be talking about more is this, is that you're not just giving yourself over physically, you're giving yourself over in your mind and your will and your emotions. You're actually exchanging something you're actually giving away something that was meant for your husband or for your wife and you're giving it away to someone else. Now all of a sudden your relationship gets messy because you're treating the other person as they are your wife or as they are your husband and they're not, exp they're not built yet to handle that sort of a load. So what you do is you go to the Lord and you say, all right, Lord, here's the deal. And this, this doesn't just stop with people that you can physically see. I believe that soul ties are being connected to thousands of images on the internet every single day in pornography. You go to the Lord and you say, I come to you, Jesus, and I come in your authority, and right now I break this soul tie, this unhealthy bond with so-and-so, fill in the blank. And right now, I receive everything that was mine, that was stolen from me, I receive it back and I send back to them everything that I stole from them, cling and washed in the blood of Jesus. Now help me to live in a way that is pleasing and obedient to you. Don't wallow around in the shame, don't wallow around in the guilt. Quickly come to the Lord, let him forgive you, act in repentance, do some house cleaning and then, and then just, Set yourself in the position like the woman caught in adultery. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now just go, don't sin anymore. Just don't live that life anymore. We have to remember who we are in these moments so that we'll respond once again by living correctly in obedience to him. God has designed your body to be presented to him in a way that brings honor and glory to him. Plain and simple. We're getting ready to close. You okay? Amen. Let's reread our text one more time. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
sacrifice, excuse me, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Ephesians chapter two, I wanna read this, verse four. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he, is, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God, this is awesome. So God can point to you or point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You and I are designed to be living, breathing testimonies of the goodness of God. And part of your assignment on the earth is to live in such a way that the Lord gets to point at you and say, this is a representation of my goodness. This is a representation of my mercy. They, yeah, follow them. They're a representation of my character. They're a representation of my nature. This is what he is saying for you to be able to do. But he's saying this, you have to be alive and you have to be living, you have to be active in order for him to be able to point at you and say, follow them as they follow Christ. You have to be alive, meaning, it's time for us to put away the weights and put away the sins that so easily trip us up, as Hebrews 12 talks about, so that what we can run the race that God has set before us. It's time that we step out of the, the place of tolerating things that have, that have crushed us spiritually. It's time that we actually finally once and for all just hand our hurts and our pains and our offenses and our shortcomings over to the Lord Jesus so that once and for all we could actually start living. We have to be alive. Some of us are just existing. I understand existing. I've been in seasons of just existing. I've been in seasons where it was just everything I could do was just to get out of bed that day. I understand that season, but that season has to come to an end at some point. And I just believe the Lord is behind you saying, now is the time, now is the time, now is the time. Stop tolerating this defeat. Stop tolerating this potential thing that's gonna crush you. Stop tolerating confusion in your mind. You're not built that way. You're actually built this way. And my blood speaks a better word than the thing that you're believing right now in your life. And it's time for us to stop tolerating things so that we become alive, so that one day he points to us and says, follow them. Oh yeah, they lived a life that was so obedient and sacrificial to me. It was well-pleasing. They presented themselves, they yielded themselves really, really well to me. I wanna encourage you in this. Just remember that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. You're victorious in Jesus. The word says that you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. At one point in scripture, he calls you a masterpiece. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and just said, man, you are a masterpiece. If you didn't today and you didn't yesterday, I would encourage you to do that tomorrow. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Dang, you look good today. Like we have to start believing some things. We have to start waking ourselves up. We have to remember some things so that we'll actually start responding in a way that looks like the Lord Jesus actually gave his life for us.
All right, I'm going to end. I'm going to end with this. Another translation of Romans 12, it ends with, because it is your reasonable service of worship that you actually present yourself a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable service of worship. And in John chapter four, verse 23, it says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. I believe that the Father right now is looking for worshipers, not just worship. He's not looking for lip service, he's looking for heart service. Yes, do the words that we sing and the declarations that we make during worship, are they good and do they move the heart of God? Absolutely, but what he's actually really wanting is worshipers. He's actually wanting you to present yourself in a way that you're saying, God, this is all that I have. With you, I have nothing, and I know nothing, I can do nothing, I am nothing. So I'm giving you all of me in exchange for all of you. What an incredible deal that he's made us. He got the short end of the stick. We got the long one. He's asking and he's waiting, will you just step into a place of offering me all that you have and just walk with me, talk with me, live with me, exist with me, remain in me so that I can teach you all of my ways so that one day I get to point at you and say, follow them as they follow Jesus. Because really, Lord, this, really guys, all this is about is not what happens in this room. If we're just coming to church for each other, we're coming for the wrong thing. So our assignment is to reconcile people to the Father. A lot of people in this room right now are reconciled to the Father, but there's a lot of people outside of this room that are not reconciled to the Father. And so the more I can present myself as a living sacrifice, and the more that you present yourself as a living sacrifice in obedience to the Lord, the more we gain this strength and this power, like this giant snowball coming down a mountain so that when we encounter people out there, they could actually see the goodness of God on the inside of us and they see our good works and they glorify the Father who is in heaven. That is the end goal. Amen. I want to remind you, you are victorious and you are made for Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.